Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined remotely, of course, by Heather Steele, Becky Hull, and author Gemma Wayne. Gemma is the author of three novels, After Before, Chains of Sand, and her latest novel, which came out just last week, To Dare. She's also been longlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction and shortlisted for both The Guardian's Not the Booker Prize and the Waverton Good Read Award. Gemma is also a journalist whose work has appeared in The Spectator, National Geographic, Huffington Post, Evening Standard, to name a few. So welcome, Gemma. Thank you so much for having me. So lovely to have you today. How is everybody? We are week 16 of lockdown. How's everybody getting on? Gemma, how's your lockdown been? It's been pretty good, actually. Ups and downs. Gets a bit frustrating at times, a little bit Groundhog Day. But actually, it's been quite nice just slowing down a bit and spending more time with the kids. And the weather's been great until now. So that's been the (laughs) And the book was supposed to come out earlier, is that right? But it was delayed because of Corona? Yes, it was meant to come out in June and then we pushed it to July. And I mean, although people have been reading a lot more, actually, which has been great, I think just we've all been just wanting to talk about Corona. So um, it made sense to hold off a little bit to it. (laughs) ready for other things it did all right well we will talk plenty about um both summaries and your book later uh, in the podcast but first of all what has everybody been watching listening to heather i'll come to you first so obviously listen to last week's podcast which i wasn't in and i know you guys were talking about athlete a which i also watched when it came out and thought yeah that is horrible but also uplifting at the end Mm -hmm. as you and lou said but on a similar vein Mm -hmm. something has recently come on to netflix and on the iplayer as well it's called roll red roll and it's quite a similar thing it's a one-off documentary about a rape that occurred in 2012 in a town in ohio and it was multiple members of the sort of high school american football team who were all involved in this horrible incident and again similar to athlete a and other like you know the jeffrey epstein documentary that was also on netflix it's just sort of covering a very horrible subject matter but you come away feeling kind of hopeful and illuminated that justice will be served and it's just a real eye-opener and again it just highlights all these systemic things that just allow these things to keep happening and it sort of centers on the yeah, the powerful women who are trying to overturn the system but it's again I think it's about an hour and 20 minutes and it's definitely worth a watch if you want Oh, no. it's so hard to know how to like I'd love to understand the psychology behind why we are interested in watching those shows like obviously it is informative and it's good to be to kind of educate yourself about these topics but there's something really weird about kind of going and being like right so I need an hour's entertainment so I'm going to sit down and watch a documentary about rape isn't it I don't know for me I just feel like I should be watching them initially because there's a sort of educational mm-hmm. aspect to it or you want to see justice served I suppose but the reason this was actually made into a documentary two years ago is because this had all happened in 2012 and the, again the police and everyone the people in power, the coaches on the football team were sort of covering it up and the victim was kind of made out to be like, oh, well, she was drinking with boys, so what did she expect kind of narrative. But the reason it, it actually got sort of worldwide attention is because the, you know, anonymous, that sort of online vigilante group, they got involved. And I don't know how, because it wasn't explained, but everyone thought the boys were innocent. And then somehow anonymous got hold of video footage of the night with these four boys talking for 12 minutes about what they'd done. So they posted that online and then and it basically had this sort of huge 
worldwide sort of story back in 2012 and there were loads of protests and it, it made lots of other people come out and speak out about what had happened to them. So I think it's definitely very powerful to watch all that and see how it all unfolds over time. But yeah, I agree. It's not exactly, you know, a Friday night. Oh, what should we watch tonight? <laughs> but I think it's definitely, it's definitely worth a watch. Cool. It sounds really good. Thank you. Becky, what about you? Charlotte, I don't know if you're the same, but I have just started The Politician 2. Have you uh, finished it? I feel like it's not going to be as good as Series 1. Oh, Becky, it's better. It's so it's good. Amazing. Yeah, it's so, so I'm, good. I'm on that. And I mean, I love the characters. I love, obviously, Gwyneth Paltrow. I think I said this to you the other day. I mean, I've only just come across the politician in lockdown so I'm not really sure how it took me so long but I just thought the series one was so brilliantly done that maybe I've watched them too close in succession I'm not sure but is Bette Midler in it? Bette Midler's in it and Bette Midler makes season two it's so good. I was about to say Bette Midler for me is what has made it so exciting so funny and punchy but yeah that is what I am currently tuning into slightly more lighthearted, and I have actually started Jeffrey Epstein because again I'm very late to the party with that but it seems very timely given Ghislaine Maxwell has just been arrested I and can't I have believe to say, yeah. her I cannot believe it and I do you know what watching it now has made me even more satisfied personally that she has been arrested mm. and found and it just feels like a very timely time to watch it <laughs> Gemma have you seen either the politician or the uh, Jeffrey Epstein doc actually the Jeffrey Epstein doc um, yes I've started I haven't actually finished it yet I agree with what you were talking about before with kind of exploring those heavy subjects and why we're kind of drawn to it I often write about heavy subjects and people sometimes say like you know, why why do you <laughs> be in that world but I think it's it's kind of like a way that it's like a society-wide therapy session we get to kind of work through these issues and figure out how we feel about them and hopefully move to a better place with it. Mm, um, so true. yeah, I'm, I'm quite compelled by that one as well. But then my stuff, it's all, it's probably the stuff everyone's been watching. It's <laughs> This Is Us and My Brilliant Friend and I'm loving those. My Brilliant Friend, I'm still yet to either watch or read. Which do you recommend more? Oh, I mean, I don't think you can ever quite compare to the book, mm. but the film is really also vivid and visceral. You just totally feel like you're in this world of, of where they're living in, in Italy and mm. immense immersed in their lives so I really think it's great worth a watch yeah. well I do have a recommendation which is the Hillary documentary on Sky and is a delve into what into Hillary Clinton's life I've watched the first two uh, or four and it's just fascinating like it's a real study I guess into how circumstances take you in a different direction like they kind of go a lot obviously into her childhood into her education into her kind of early years and the first few years of her marriage to Bill and like she's insane like mm. so brilliant so impressive and actually so much more so than him in that first kind of decade or so of their marriage and it's just so interesting to wonder like what would have happened if, if she had had the political ambitions instead of him at that time like mm. would she have been where she is today obviously it was a really different kind of climate for women she was kind of graduating around 1968 so she was a real kind of she went to Wellesley College and was like a bit of a bra burner and like if you're like me and you've kind of only known her as this kind of quite prim blonde first lady seeing that kind of hippie real kind of lefty side to her um, is really interesting too uh, so I really recommend it it's got a slightly probably more than slightly biased slant I think it's actually produced by the Clintons so um, you're, you're not going to get a, a completely unbiased perspective but whatever you think of her politically you can't deny that she's pretty impressive 
impressive and she's done some pretty amazing things and had an interesting life so yeah for that reason I recommend yeah. on that note Charlotte there's a book coming out I think later this month called Rodden by Curtis Sittenfeld and yes. again it's fiction but it basically takes that time period and rewrites the story as if she does meet Bill but if she'd never accepted his proposal what could have happened yeah. so yeah I've heard about I'm this. excited I think, I think it's out in other countries it's out, it's out in the yeah. States yeah yeah she's just cool I'm a massive fan I understand if you don't like her politics or you think she's a liar or whatever but I think she's amazing but I think you're right politics aside you can tell that Hillary Clinton has had to put up with a lot of shit so I oh think seeing how kind of steely she is with everything that has clearly gone on behind the scenes is fascinating in itself we are going to talk about career advice and uh, life advice later in the podcast but she is the ultimate inspirational story about kind of getting up and dusting yourself off and going again isn't she exactly rising from the ashes so yeah oh heather i'm going to read that roger sounds good. yeah i think it comes out here it got pushed back a bit over here but i think it's coming out later this month let's talk about new books now timely with you here Gemma. we were to feature on the eight new books to read this july heather did you put this together yes tell us what are your top recommended new reads this month So I've actually personally mainly been reading Call Me By Your Name because I'd never read it before and obviously it came out a few years ago and I absolutely loved the film and I needed something sort of summary and because it's set in Italy I was like aha the perfect Mm. time to read it so that's what I have have been reading this July rather than those but I've also Mm. I only started reading it last night it's called Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers and it comes out a little bit later this month and it's basically set in the 1950s in southeast London and I think it appeals to me a bit because it's about journalists so I always like reading about people who are write features etc but uh, she's called Jean and she works on a local paper and she's almost 40 and she lives with her mother so she's feeling a bit like meh whatever but then this young Swiss woman contacts the paper claiming that her daughter's the result of a virgin birth and then it kind of leads Jean apparently, I've not got this far yet but to (laughs) discover like whether this is a miracle or a fraud and her life kind of gets intertwined with this girl's and she gets to know like the husband and their daughter and it just gets very dark Ooh. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the recommendations were quite dark <laughs> yeah I feel like that's been a bit of a, a theme this year I know uh, Tor spoke about My Dark Vanessa on last week's podcast but yeah there's definitely seems to be I suppose summer generally there tends to be lots of thrillers and things mm. out because generally that might be something you'd read on a beach if you were going abroad but yeah they quite a dark selection this month <laughs> Gemma something you know a little bit about <laughs> yeah so actually I had a sneak peek and a book that isn't quite out it's coming out in September I got to read a proof copy and it's called uh, The Bench by Saskia Sargenson and it's just this beautiful love story so not so dark there's some grief in it there's some ups and downs it's a real roller coaster but it's about this couple that meet pre-days of internet and, and mobile phones it's kind of just before that period uh, they meet in a small town in America and then fate intervenes and they're pulled apart and then they're thrown back together and pulled apart and you're kind of up and down and all over the place with them but it's just so beautifully written you're so invested in these characters you just want them to be together and it's a really, by the end, it's kind of this uplifting, wonderful, just portrait of love. Oh, I love sounds it. lovely. Oh, that sounds nice. yeah. Obviously, Today, which is your new novel, yeah. also has a kind of thriller element to it. Is that kind of what you enjoy reading in your spare time? Or like, what do you find you tend to read fiction-wise? Not really thrillers, actually. And I wouldn't say this is totally a thriller. It's kind of 
somewhere between commercial literary fiction, but it's a step into that realm of psychological suspense. Mm -hmm. So no, I usually read probably exactly that area, kind of accessible literary fiction. I love Mm -hmm. kind of family dramas and big sweeping epics. Um, I just read Hamnet. I'm reading Girl, Woman, Other at the moment. Yeah, that's my kind of bag. So Gemma, the book is obviously out now. Can you tell us what it's about? Sure. So the book is about power, uh, family, inequality and revenge. So it's told by three very different female protagonists whose lives all interweave. The focal point being uh, two of the women, Veronica and Simone, live next door to each other. And on the night that Veronica moves into her new home with her husband, through their shared wall, they hear what sounds like Simone being assaulted. But they're not sure. It could also be consensual rough sex. They don't know. So they're kind of faced with this moral dilemma of do they have a duty to intervene? What if they do and they're wrong? How might that impact the woman and her family? What if they don't and they were right? Might this woman and children be in peril? And also if they get involved, how will that might that create hostility against themselves? Meanwhile, the third uh, protagonist is Veronica's childhood friend, Sarah, Uh, who reappears in her life and secrets from their past together start to spill into the present and then tightens the tension for everyone involved. What what a lovely synopsis. It does, (laughs) doesn't it? And where does one even begin? Like, how do you start? Do you decide you want to write a book first or do you have an idea first? Which way round does it come? So there were a couple of uh, plot points that were inspired by real life experience for me. So this neighbour situation that I was talking about in the book, it's far, far more extreme and awful and spirals out of control in a totally fictional way. But that original premise of hearing worrying noises through walls that is something that actually happened to my husband and I and it was a very tense time I kept a journal at the time it was something I knew I always wanted to try to write about at some point so things like that have definitely been triggers but generally as a writer I usually start with the themes of the book because I just kind of want to know what's going to sustain my characters and also what am I going to be thinking about for 300 odd pages it has to be something that I'm really engaged with and um, so for this one I started thinking about the story around the time of Brexit and then then there came the Me Too movement. And so I was just thinking about all these different interpretations of power dynamics and how that affects equality and socioeconomic dynamics and gender. And I wanted to weave those ideas into the story. So as I mentioned, there's some exploration of domestic abuse. There's also men in influential positions over younger girls. There's some class exploration. But actually, one of the most fun aspects that I then went off within the story was I started thinking about power in terms of the dynamic between young girls and then later on as women. So these two characters who are best friends when they're 12 in the book have all this stuff going on that we probably remember from our own school days in terms of how girls learn really early on to manipulate and form cliques and isolate others and form hierarchies and just really navigate that power. And then often as women, sometimes that carries on. You kind of look at the school gates or the workplace and you you can still see that happening sometimes. So that very much happens in the book and spirals out of control a little bit. But also is something that I think about quite a lot because I think particularly with the Me Too movement, a lot of us have really tried to move away from the way that we often feel pitted against each other as women and are really discovering the power of sisterhood and how we can really be each other's biggest supporters. So that's in the book a little bit as well. I read a really interesting thing this week. It was actually a caption somebody had put on Instagram that got shared around a lot, which was 
somebody, I think it was an influencer saying that she had started to check herself every time she was somewhere where a girl who was being loud really annoyed her. So you know when there's a girl who's either taking selfies or like just being a bit obnoxious and, and she kind of did what we all do, which is just like, oh, can I go shut up? Oh, she's so annoying. <laughs> and then she kind of looked at where that was coming from. And I think this is so true. I mean, I, like I will hold my hands up and say I agree with this, that we hate is a girl who's super confident. Mm. And, and if you see a girl, if you're just kind of on your best behavior or whatever, you're just kind of living a normal life and you see a girl who has kind of, I suppose, more confidence than we would otherwise like or otherwise expect, then as women, our kind of first instinct is to be like, oh, they need to shut up and get back in their box, which is so awful. And I think that was such a kind of... I found that really enlightening. I've never really thought about it from that perspective before, but it's so true. It's so our kind of problem with other girls more so than it is about, about those girls. And I think often that's a reflection of, of our own desires or insecurities that we feel about ourselves. Of course. Yeah. A hundred percent. And Gemma, with the writing process, like where do you begin? You said you started thinking about this around Brexit. I mean, that was quite a while ago. So how long does the whole process take? So it's always really hard to tell because it's such a stop-start process. I generally, with the book, obviously a lot of it is just total fiction, but whenever there's something outside the realm of my experience what I feel like I can really write authentically about, then I like to research. So with this, I spent a fair bit of time at the beginning uh, doing research. So I was talking to child psychologists and social workers and in the book, some of the characters live on an estate, which is something I don't have personal lived experience of. So I spoke to people who did and just kind of gathered all these insights, which I love this part of the process. And that took a little while. And then there's the writing, but then there's so much waiting because you send it. I always give it to a few friends to read, get their input. Then I send it to my agent. Often we do edits. Then it goes to the publishers. Then there's no edits. So it's kind of this real back and forth. So it's definitely been a period of a few years, but working on lots of other stuff intermittently too. And does it get any quicker? Obviously, this is your third book. Does it get any quicker? You know, as it goes on, and presumably number one is the most like, rah. <laughs> to get written <laughs> yeah number one is definitely because you kind of spend your whole life I think gathering all these experiences that you're going to put down in your novel and you put them all in and then they're all in that first novel so yeah. then you kind of have to start, where to start, start all your experiences again yeah <laughs> yeah but actually my first published novel was my third novel that I'd actually written the other two kind of you know tucked away in a drawer gathering dust um, but definitely I'm much more confident I would say in the process now I know Mm -hmm. I can write something and I can get to the end of the book and Mm -hmm. I kind of know where I'm going and my strategy of how I plan and plot things is definitely a lot more developed as as I've gone on. Heather, Becky, do you feel like you've got a book in you? They always say that everybody's got one. Is that something you'd ever like to do? It's something I fantasise about, but I probably wouldn't. I don't know. I don't feel I've got the confidence for it, but I don't know if I've got like an idea tucked away yet. I think it's something most writers would like to try, Mm -hmm. I think. I'd absolutely love to write a book but I feel like I mean I say that Gemma I have no idea of the process but I feel like (laughs) I would really I find it so cathartic but then I worry I haven't got the attention span for it. (laughs) I'm so bad at starting things and never finishing things properly or starting and going back to it about a year later. Do you know what I mean? So I'd have to be very strict with myself, but it's certainly something I've thought about, you know, more than once. Yeah, I think I think about it quite a lot. I'm sort of just like waiting for an idea to come to me. (laughs) And do you know what? When Girl on the Train came out, I was like, why the hell didn't I think of that? 
on the yeah, you, you watch a lot of dark twisted things i feel I like there's do. got to have been an idea in there somewhere I, I, there's got to be somewhere charlotte come on you should um, like give it a go do you recommend just starting like can you just like go and write a chapter and kind of break that first wall down or not really the, the first book that i wrote which has not been published but that one i literally had an idea kind of knew where it was going and i just started and wrote the mm. book as I've gone on, I've learned to plan a lot more. Some writers don't, but I very much do now. Make a detailed plan, do all sorts of character development. I plot out exactly what's going to happen in each chapter because I like to know where I'm going. Often you then go off at tangents that you weren't expecting. And those are very frequently the most interesting parts. They're the bits you love mm-hmm. in the end. But I definitely like to have a roadmap. Yeah. But you know what? I was always jealous growing up of the people who kept journals and diaries and, you know, have these records of their whole lives. And every new year I would start a new diary (laughs) and it would last maybe a month and (laughs) and I would never carry on. So yeah, I think you just just start, but then you have to keep going. It's good to know that you can also be a a quitter slash procrastinator and still get an all done. (laughs) That's encouraging. (laughs) Becky, I didn't ask you, is there anything you're reading at the moment? Any novel recommendations? Well, I was on podcast last week and I spoke about Behind Her Eyes you by did, Sarah yes. Pimbra, which, oh my God, guys, I'm so close to the end and it is amazing. But straight after I've got my other one lined up, which is The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley. Oh, yes. Now, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Harry got this for me for my birthday and it's actually, I mean, it sounds right up my street, a ripping, riveting murder mystery while he is Agatha Christie. So I'm very excited to start that. I'm really looking forward to it. That front cover Becky's holding up on Zoom for listeners and that front cover looks really familiar. I definitely yeah. see it everywhere. When it I was everywhere it. last year, I think, kind of no. on billboards and stuff. Uh, have you read it, Heather? No. It. No, I haven't. No. Well, I will let I'm you also, know. <laughs> I'm also really waiting. I can't believe that no one on the podcast yet over the last like two months has talked about where the cool dads sing. I've got it. I've, I've got, got it. it too. <laughs> I'm just trying to read it quickly enough so that I can be the first person to talk about it on the podcast. I'm really oh that nobody has yet all right well if you are looking for more recommendations for books to read over the next month and new releases then have a look at heather's feature on the site we're going to talk about being creative now i think lockdown has brought out uh, the creative side of a lot of people that we don't often get to exercise and so we wrote a feature on the 10 creative activities for non-creative people so these are things to try like paint by numbers and marbling and then a whole load of other stuff that I hadn't heard of which is about you guys like needle felting and um diamond painting so I want to know do you guys do anything that's like in inverted commas you know traditionally creative Gemma you've got little girls right so you must do some of this kind of stuff we do loads of arts and crafts we've been actually during lockdown we've been doing a lot of glass drawing so you get these kind of chalk pens that you can draw on glass and they've just been covering our windows all around the house Cute. with drawing. We do lots of baking. They're Actually, they're really artistic, so they do a lot of that. Becky, I'll come to you. In terms of creative outlets, do you have any? Would you like to have any? Do you know what? I don't have much creative outlets, which is a bit miserable, but I do like <laughs> photography, in all honesty. I have got my SLR, which I've had since I was 18, and I've been thinking over lockdown I really should have made the most of that or just done a bit more with it needless to say I haven't but in terms of creativity that's probably where my interests lie what Um, do you take photos of well more like sort of when you're out and about I mean we're so lucky where I live down sort of 
Brighton way, as you know, but we have the South Downs and sort of landscapes. And I went up Devil's Dyke the other evening and had some beautiful photographs of the sunset. I'm very at one with nature. Like, <laughs> you are, you like a walk. I am, um, I guess that side of things. But creativity-wise, a bit of photography and I think, yeah, people and probably landscapes. But I'm by no means, you know, very amateur, but I do just quite enjoy. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe the same as Becky. I mean, no offence to this list, but, oh, you know, it, none of it appeals, basically. I don't know. I just can't imagine just sitting down at, you know, of an evening and just doing some crocheting or making <laughs> bracelets or painting by numbers. I mean, that's all stuff I'd love to do with my nephew, don't get me wrong. But I think, yeah, when it comes to me, I just think I don't get that bored very easily, So, mm. which is a good thing. So mm. I guess I, I just don't feel like I need to be like, oh, right, I need to do something because I've got nothing else to do. So I'll take up a hobby kind of thing I suppose did you do creative things when you were younger like I found this list actually hugely nostalgic this is, there was so much stuff there that I remember doing through the summer holidays and uh, you know or school or whatever that actually I don't think I've yes I don't mourn now but actually I think oh yes that was nice or that you know that was a good outlet I don't I think I, I honestly just always had my nose in a book to be honest <laughs> I was always getting told off for like not being sociable and reading so yeah oh. I think I'm pretty much like that now as well but I had got um yeah a couple of cameras as well like Becky and I haven't again haven't really done anything in lockdown but yeah occasionally like trying to get to grips with a new camera and taking photos and things but otherwise I guess at the moment I'm just channeling my creativity by painting around the flat so that can be my physical my painting lockdown crea- yeah. yeah exactly rather than yeah. like pictures I just think yeah, I'm just not very good at, yeah I'm not very good at other art related stuff that's probably why I just don't have much of an interest in it I suppose <laughs> Becky or Gemma was there anything on this list that did appeal was there anything that you looked at and you're like you know what I'd love to give decoupage a go I hate decoupage <laughs> I mean what silly hobbies let's put it out there the thing is with a lot of these things it's kind of what do you do with that finished product right like yeah. what exactly oh. I'm not entirely sure what you do with the decoupage Equipage bunny once it's made, <laughs> personally. Yeah, Becky, yeah. anything? Tie dye is something I've never given a go, and it's very on trend, so maybe I'll be whipping out my tie dye kit at the weekend. Tie dye is on this list, and actually, that has been like the number one creative activity of lockdown, hasn't it? I mean, I think that's got more to do with fashion trends than it does to do with crafting. Perhaps. Yeah, trying to get the look for less rather than yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> I have to exactly. Be honest, like I've never heard of marbling. Oh, I remember it's that. Like, yeah, school. did you not do it at school? No. You like, put a piece of paper in the thing and you swilled it around. It was really satisfying. Yeah. I did oh. actually love doing that yeah. at school, but yeah, Maybe can't imagine heaven. doing it at home. Make a right mess from <laughs> no. Gemma, are you naturally creative? You said your girls are, but do you also feel nostalgic about doing all of that kind of stuff? For me, I think writing has always been my form of expression. So right from a child, that was always what I did if I wanted to be creative. But I love joining in with them, but they're already way better at it than I am. So <laughs> my daughter was teaching me all about kind of facial proportions and things. I don't remember learning that at school. But Oh, I do. I remember having like a grid and you had to... Draw, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, mm. So you were paying attention. I obviously wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I think they probably get that from um, my husband's side of the family. Fair enough. All right. Well, if you are interested in trying your hand at um, some crafty activities, perhaps uh, in conclusion with some children, and then have a look at the feature on the site. Let's chat a bit about travel now. We wrote a really lovely feature where we interviewed 15 influential women on their dream travel inspiration right now. Everyone from Anina Bing to Monique 
Dale, Monica Vinader, and Ruby Hammer uh, took part and shared uh, their dream holiday destinations, where's on their list, and their most memorable trips to date. So I would like to know what all of yours are. Heather, I'll come to you first. Your dream holiday destination so similarly to Anina Bing I just really want to go back to Japan and yeah me and my boyfriend started a sort of savings fund at the beginning of the year because I was lucky enough to go on a press trip there last year and I've always wanted to go so I was lucky enough to yeah go last February and it was everything I'd hoped it would be and more and I absolutely loved it so yeah as soon as I came back I was like right I need to go back ASAP so yeah still I mean it's probably a good few years away until I actually get to go but I'm starting to save a little bit because obviously it's not that cheap to get there but yeah I'm desperate to go back I love everything about it like the people the food what I found when I was there is just obviously because it's and they're an island nation you've just got everything you know the sea you've got beaches you've got amazing cities you've got beautiful countryside you've got mountains you know it's a very beautiful place so yeah I would love to go back when you went last time where did you go we flew in and out of Tokyo but the main trip was set in Setouchi which is down in the southeast and it's a cluster of thousands of different islands and yeah they're each really different and it's got like this ginormous art scene there so that was the main reason we went they've got these sort of world-class museums on like this tiny island that you can only get to like once a day by these boats and yeah it's just it's just a really special place and I'm desperate to go back to that region but also there's so many places I obviously didn't get to go to like Kyoto or anywhere like that so I'd just love to go for like three weeks or something and just try and see as much of the place as possible. Becky where is your dream destination? Do you know what my dream destination is New Zealand because a bit like Bobby Brown said on this list it's somewhere that I have heard so much about I mean my brother went traveling all around you know sort of everywhere but he said standout place was New Zealand and he said you've just never seen anything like it and it's just absolutely phenomenal and every day you just can't believe that it's like a real place because it's just so peaceful and you know it's just beautiful and I also have another friend who went and she, she said the same thing and I think when you hear those kind of reviews you just know that it will be so worth the sort of long trip I mean I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon since (laughs) New Zealand have sort of closed themselves up but I mean that would be a real trip of a lifetime for me and another one Harry and I went to Sorrento and the Amalfi Coast last year and we only got to go to Positano for about 20 minutes but (laughs) I'm not joking if I could go back to Positano for a week I would in a heartbeat I can't describe it pictures don't even do it justice when you come in it is beautiful you've honestly never it's like a postcard it's just stunning and it's tiny and small but you can get everywhere within about half an hour to like capri and as i said the amalfi coast or i just positano is very much 2021 list <laughs> yeah everything that was on the 2020 list is now <laughs> yeah, the 2021 list exactly <laughs> Gemma. what about you where's your dream destination right now it's so hard because i think so much of it is to do with where you are at what stage in your life So New Zealand, I went to kind of on my gap year uh, with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. And that was kind of, we were just looking for adventure and it was amazing. And we were kind of raced around the world doing all sorts of things like that. We went to India, which was just so full of color and just this whole other world, which I loved. 
But right now, we're way more into let's find a great resort with brilliant swimming pools and a beach <laughs> and kids' activities and all that stuff. So we went to California a few years ago, which is somewhere I always have a fondness for because I lived there for a little while as a child. And we usually base ourselves in L.A., but this time we traveled around a little bit and we went to Santa Barbara um, up into the mountains there, which was just gorgeous. Slight hiccup when a scorpion hijacked its way to our hotel in our Ooh. bag. Mm. Um, yeah, that was interesting. But, um, but wow. after that, we then went slightly further north to a ranch called the Alisal, which was just the most idyllic, wholesome, all-American experience. Things like you could get up in the morning, you could just go have breakfast in the restaurant, or you could jump on a hayride and go up to the lake where there'd be a singing cowboy and a stack of um, <laughs> American pancakes, and then you could cool. take a little boat and go horse riding. And it was just so much fun. And for us yeah. at that time with the kids, it was just perfect. Oh, I bet they loved it. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds so fun. Heather, you've done that trip as well, haven't you, all around California? Yeah, yeah. I did that a couple of years ago when me and my friends all turned 30, when we were back at uni, kind of 18, like, right, when we're 30, we'll go to the States. And we did, which was cool. <laughs> I love that. Santa Barbara, especially. I absolutely love it around there. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah. we stayed yeah. in Santa Barbara a few years ago. We stayed, well, we stayed in Montecito, which is like a little town, like just next to Santa Barbara. But it's just so pretty and lovely, yeah. isn't it? And that drive, you'll drive from LA all up the Malibu yeah. coast oh, that's yeah. just amazing amazing oh, wow. uh, what about you Charlotte I'm sure you've got somewhere good up your oh, sleeve well we had three weeks booked in Chile for this Christmas of course oh, which we then cancelled because we were buying a house we were like well, that's quite a lot to do in one year and then the house <laughs> fell through so it's been so now I have no house and no holiday but um, yes more of South America last um, I'm sure listeners will remember we did a South American trip two years ago and in Brazil we just did Rio and Iguazu but there are all these incredible islands off the coast of Rio that I'm just desperate to go to none of which I can remember the name of but are these like really beautiful kind of secluded islands with like you know no electricity and kind of real rural living and like Rio is the coolest most vibrant amazing city I've ever been to so yeah I definitely like to uh, to get back there and see more we didn't get a chance we did bits of Argentina as well but we didn't get a chance to go down south so I would love to do Patagonia and Ushuaia and yeah all those bits of South America and also more of Africa again I had an amazing time on honeymoon and Botswana, Zimbabwe, and Mozambique, and you just get the safari bug, and there are so many cool types of, like, I'm really desperate to do a desert safari. You can do it in Namibia, and there are all these, like, lions who live in the desert instead. It's like a completely different landscape, completely different ecosystems and, and everything, but yeah, that's, so those are my uh, my big wish list places Ooh. to tick off, but God knows when that's going to happen. What about another memorable trip to date, Heather? Okay. So apart from Japan, yeah, I've been to Iceland twice, and that is just a magical, magical country. Um, both times I've been, I've gone in December, when it's, you know, pretty much darkness for a lot of the time but we did see the northern lights twice which was amazing wow. and yeah it's it's a beautiful country really incredible people awesome food it's an amazing place again I never did really like geography when I was at school but similarly to Japan it's I think I liked it because there's volcanoes and then crazy waves and then glaciers and there's just all sorts of like amazing things all in one place that you just I just can't think of that many countries I've been to where you could see so many sort of natural phenomena in like one or two days so yeah mm. definitely recommend going it's an interesting place yeah. to have gone to twice 
Yeah. I think me and my friends, uh, a certain group of friends, we're just, we love like Bjork and are obsessed with like Icelandic <laughs> bands. And I don't know, I guess just since I've been young, I've just always had a fascination with Iceland because of Bjork and Asiga Ross and just this amazing music scene they've got in quite a, a tiny place. So yeah, I think I've just always been fascinated by there so the first time we went in 2011 and yeah just fell in love with the place which is why we went back again but it's really easy Fair to enough. get to now it wasn't back then but they do sort of daily flights there now from mm. Luton I think so yeah it's easy to get to and yeah honestly it's amazing just pretty expensive right once you're there once you're there yeah I mean we stayed in like a really horrid Airbnb the second time to keep costs down mm. but yeah I'd love to go back and do it you know in a nice a proper way yes. but no, it's great <laughs> Becky what about you so I have to sort of one, actually, we went to, I feel like mine are all Italy, very standard, because I'm a pasta, <laughs> but we went to Lake Garda, um, it must have been, I was about 18, actually, so it's really, really long time ago now, but you know when something sticks in your memory so well, because we drove, and we drove through Geneva, and it was just one of the most incredible experiences because the landscape you see, and the sort of, there's a lot of thunderstorms down there, a lot of big burly storms and then heat waves and it's just you see sort of everything and it's a real experience swimming in a lake with sort of swans and ducks but you you're kind of by a beach it is bizarre but you <laughs> feel really sort of calm and i can't tell you how relaxing it is and also lake god is just tiny and you can get to verona from there really easily there's just a lot to do but as i said if you can drive i can't recommend it enough because well, you see I, some beautiful scenery i think there will be a lot of people driving to europe this summer again as long as the borders stay open then there will be a massive increase um, in that happening so that's a good tip actually thank you mm-hmm. Gemma. what about you what's a memorable trip for you well it'll be very boring and say italy as well <laughs> <laughs> we did our honeymoon in italy and we flew and then took a boat into Venice, which I'd never been to before. So just kind of entering this fairy world with all these twinkling lights and the canals instead of the roads. And it was just so beautiful. And then we traveled around Italy. And so we did Rome and Milan and Capri and all over the place. And for a number of years, we just kept going back to Italy because first of all, the food is just so good. Every bite you take of olive bread and pizza and pa- it's just I love it and it's just so beautiful and friendly and I, it's one of my favorite places if I had to pick somewhere else I also did a trip with a girlfriend quite a few years ago now to Mexico and we traveled around there quite a lot as well and it just seemed each place we went to we were discovering obviously these were not our discoveries but we felt like we were discovering these <laughs> hidden beaches and just turquoise waters that you could walk out for 300 meters before it went past your knee level and mm. just just the stuff that you maybe don't get so much staying a bit nearer to home did you do mexico city because i forgot that is somewhere that's also really high on my wish list right now that time we didn't no we did ila mujeres and uh, tulum and oh i'm forgetting a few places after that but we stayed all kind of in that area in that case you got to go to tulum before it was horribly torn exactly oh it's rank it looks horrible it's horrible we went two years ago and we we stayed between cancun and tulum so we were lucky we kind of escaped the the throngs but we went into tulum for dinner one night and it's like it's like Magaluf. It's horrible. Yeah, it's literally it like Magaluf with expensive hotels. It's like all people on the streets with flashing lights. Ooh. No, oh no, real shame. Yeah, it was nothing like that. Then we literally stayed in a little cabin on the beach with a hammock, and it was nobody Dream. else there. Yeah, 
I believe that Isla Holbosch is the, like that now. That's where you go if you want to get that. that kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did an insider's guide for that that's on the site that we did last summer. So Holbosch. Tips on where, yeah, so no. if anyone needs any Thanks. ideas for where to stay or go. Good tip, Heather. Charlotte, oh, how about you? Probably when we did our road around the southern states of North America, that was also the most incredible trip. We did Nashville, Memphis, New Orleans, Austin. And it's amazing how many different cultures there are in the States. And even each one of those places has such a strong identity and culture. And, you know, whether it's food or history or music, you know, each one of those places, even though they're only a kind of three hour drive from one another, with Austin as an exception, that's quite a chat. <laughs> but the, yeah, the other three, they like effervesce with their culture and are just really kind of fun, magical places. Probably Nashville the most. In Memphis and New Orleans, for various reasons, both have quite kind of dark, dingy sides but Nashville is this just like purely happy wonderful city of music and great food and yeah it is so memorable well if you're looking for more travel inspiration then uh, do have a look at the feature that we wrote with those 15 influential women let's finish now by talking about career lessons we interviewed Marcella Sigulam she is the head of global events at Total Management Group I cannot recommend reading this interview enough she has one glamorous job but it got us thinking about career lessons and the advice that we would give the best advice we've been given about your career so what is your number one piece of career advice Gemma I will come to you first well I really liked from Marcella's list her advice about remembering to stop and celebrate uh, because I think that's something that we often don't do I remember uh, for me when I was listed for the women's prize I was so happy but I immediately started thinking about great, how can we now pivot from this to the next thing? And I think we're often just sprinting forwards. So I really liked that. But I would add to that, that also try to enjoy the process. Because often the part where you're striving and it's the hard graft and it's the process of getting there is actually the bit that's the most fun and the most rewarding. I always sounds slightly trite, but I often think back to philosophy days at university and Aristotle's concept of happiness that it's all about the pursuit of happiness it's about the active process of it and often it's not getting to that place that we think we want to get to it's finding the joy in the getting there so obviously we all need to make money and sometimes you you don't enjoy every aspect of what you're doing but if you can work into your career things that you love I think that's the best way to, to be happy with with everything you do. I agree. I think that's very good advice. Uh, Becky, what about you? Gosh, I mean, there's been so much over the years and I think my advice is very much particular to our media industry. But I think one of the best things I ever sort of got was from my old boss and it was very much to be conscientious but to also always use your common sense because I think a lot of the time that just goes out the window with so many things and actually we work in such a fast-paced environment that you don't always have to be the most brilliant in the room but if you use your common sense it goes an incredibly long way in the day-to-day of things a lot of and, people don't have much common sense so if you have some well, you have <laughs> then you should use it yeah whip it out but I think you know it's silly things like it does make you quite memorable as well in a job because I think a lot of the time things go so quick you do just want people to crack on with things and take initiative and I think another piece that really resonated with me in this list is deep down you know what's right for you and what isn't and actually it's something really similar my dad said to me once which was when you make a decision it's always the right decision for that moment in time and you can never dwell on that you can never think too long about it because that is what was right for you in that moment and I just think really that is the best advice because I think I am such a sort of second guesser but I think the best career 
career advice is to go with what you know in the moment and to make what you can of it and if it doesn't feel right then it's 90% sure it's because it isn't so I loved that bit of advice it's very true Heather yeah my dad's piece of advice has always been from this is even when I was like 16 like don't leave a job you hate until you've got another one definitely <laughs> lined up. very pragmatic advice there yeah I know yeah it's like it doesn't matter if you hate it you can't leave but yeah good piece of advice but yeah I suppose from what I've learned is just if you can do something face to face or meet somebody properly in order to in my case interview somebody it's always 100% better you're always going to get a much better result if you take the time and effort to actually kind of meet as many people as possible I just think if you do meet people face to face or even just phone somebody you're always going to get a much better connection and end up with a much better regardless of whether it's writing or anything you're always going to end up with a much better result rather than just relying on sort of online writing here and there or like messaging someone on Instagram or like sending some questions over via email I think if you can do something yeah I just think the end result of whatever project it might be is always going to be so much better and rewarding yeah so true finally Gemma is there any advice that you've been given that always stays with you that is like your number one always yeah. give back to you always remember there really is actually which is I think it was just after I left university I did some work experience at Vogue and at the end of the three weeks work experience, you got to have kind of a meeting with Alexandra Shulman. And so we did that. And in that meeting, she said, if you're a writer, you write. And that just really always stayed with me because I think sometimes, particularly in creative industries, you're maybe waiting for permission to do that thing that you're wanting to do. You're waiting for someone to commission you for something and say, OK, now, now you can do it. Whereas actually, if that's what you want to do, you just have to keep doing it and you make your own opportunities. And in other professions too, so I know so many actors, for example, who are now actors turned writers because they weren't getting the parts that they wanted. So they wrote their own parts and or writers turned producers or even if there's something slightly outside your realm of experience, you can create that opportunity. So I think it's that don't, it's not waiting for somebody to tell you you're allowed to do something. It's just do it. And also not putting yourself in a box, right? yeah good I love that thank you so much um I think we'll leave it there Gemma thank you so much for joining us today it was so lovely to have you thanks uh, Gemma's, book, Gemma's book today um is out now available everywhere presumably Amazon Waterstones the rest yes great thank you so much for listening if you have any feedback at all please do email podcast at shilaps.com we love hearing from you don't forget also to rate review subscribe and tell your friends bye-bye